All right, church family. Well, we've been talking for a couple weeks about getting closer and closer to Christmas. Well, no longer is it someday we'll be closer. I mean, we're in the thick of it. So I hope your vocal cords are ready. I hope you're ready to worship our newborn king. The shepherds said to one another, let us go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. Let's join them. Ready? Come and adore on bended knee, Christ the Lord, the newborn King. Come and adore on bended knee, Christ the Lord, the newborn King. Oh 
Bible Fellowship Online. So good to see you. Hopefully you're having a wonderful day. Hey, couple of announcements for you. My name is Josh. I'm one of the pastors here, and I'd love to just let you know what's going on here at the church. First of all, people just need prayer sometimes, and so we would love to be the people that pray for you. So if there's anything going on, we'd love to pray for you this week. Please text any prayer request to 97,000. So here at the church, we've got our ministries that kind of run regularly. We've got events going on all the time. There's a lot of different meetings that are happening throughout the week regularly. And we'd love for you to just go to the website and check out our calendar and see all the stuff that's going on this week and in the weeks to come. There's a ton. So we'd love for you to just go and check it out. We've got things for everyone. 
Also on the website, if, if you're just blessed by the ministries here at the church, whether in person or just online, uh, would you consider financially supporting us? That's the way that all of this works. Uh, and so we're just thankful for people like you that generously give. And uh, we'd ask uh, if you're interested in doing so, you can go online under the Give tab and give there. Let me pray for us, and we're going to dive into God's Word together. Uh, dear Father, um, thank you again just for another day, uh, another time to be together, to gather uh, online, and to get in your word. Um, Father, we're so desperate for you to speak to us regularly. Uh, it's not just a once-a-week thing. We regularly need your word to speak to us. And so we pray uh, that today, as we just dive in, um, Lord, that you just speak to our hearts. Um, we need you to do that. We depend on your Holy Spirit to move and work in our lives. We pray this all now in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Well, thank you, worship team, for leading us. It's such a joy to go into this Christmas season celebrating Jesus' birth. And uh, uh, before I dive into this week's uh, message in Isaiah, I wanted to take a second. We had some fun uh, during this Christmas season creating uh, a kid's uh, video and song presentation. Thought you'd be blessed by seeing this before we dive in. Check it out.
so cool to see the, the kiddos highlighting and celebrating and reenacting the Savior's birth. I, I especially like the thumbs up by the angel at the end of the video. Uh, so cool. So anyway, so glad you're here to be a part of this week's online uh, worship service and getting a chance to continue as our study in the book of Isaiah. And before I do that, I'm just wondering if we could talk about something just for a moment, a little bit off topic. I'm noticing something as I get a little bit older. I'm noticing that I've got more unique quirks than I think I used to. I think maybe you pick up some of those over the years. And one of the ones I've, I've noticed has a little bit to do with things that I'm interested in that as a younger kid, I wasn't necessarily interested in. You would assume that somebody as a child would really like magic tricks. As a kid, I don't remember ever being intrigued by that. But as an adult... I'll tell you what, I can't get enough of magic stuff. I was actually at a pastor's uh, conference uh, a couple years back, and there was a, a, a magician by the name of Justin Flom. And he kept doing all of these tricks, and a lot of times you're able to try to think through like, well, they're doing this illusion, they're doing this. But every single thing that this guy did, I was like, I have no idea how he pulled it off. He, he did this thing with this Rubik's Cube that he had it all messed up and threw it to somebody in the crowd. And when they caught it, it was completely solved in the air. I still have no idea what happened there. And the reason I bring up magic, you're like, how does this relate to a study in the book of Isaiah? What I believe is a lot of people in their processing through the Christmas story, when they think and reflect on these accounts by Isaiah, they think, well, Anybody could carefully manipulate the events that took place there at the Savior's birth. With a, a little creativity, you could reenact some of the things that were predicted by the prophet Isaiah. But when you actually dig in a little bit closer of actually what the prophecies of Isaiah were 600 years before Jesus' birth, you start to realize, wait a second, all that he foretold the town that Jesus was born in, the exact gifts that the, that the wise men would bring, the family line that Jesus would come from. You start to think, wow, you start piecing that together. It's pretty incredible. Not a lot of planning that you can do about your own birth and probably the, what I believe the most dramatic thing that can't be explained is the virgin birth. The virgin birth, literally in the history of mankind, there's never been before or after that a virgin birth. That's not something that you can uh, work on or craft or create, but it was something that was foretold by Isaiah the prophet. Let's take a look at what he says in Isaiah 7:14. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. I like that it says, the Lord himself will give you a sign. That's basically, he's saying this, this is the most spectacular sign of all time. The most incredible thing. And what is that sign? A virgin birth. We see plenty of births. We celebrate them all the time. But what's unique about this is somebody having never been with a, a man giving birth to a child. This is how the prophecy unfolds. It's found in the book of Matthew 1.18. Let me pray just before we look at it. 
Lord Jesus, we thank you for a chance to slow down this Christmas season and reflect on some of the things that really give uh, weight to our faith. Proof that's in the, the fact that these prophecies and things were, that were spoken about hundreds of years before Jesus, th things that, that couldn't have been uh, coordinated or uh, illusions, but things that were actually from God, signs from God to demonstrate that this was God with us, the most incredible event in human history. God, we ask that these would really uh, may allow our faith to grow deeper, that you'd speak to us even in these moments through the study of your word. We pray that in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. So, foretold in Isaiah 7:14, and we're about to see how it plays out in Matthew chapter 1. This is one of the accounts of Jesus' birth that relates, you'll see as the passage progresses, verse 18 says, this is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. We'll stop there just before we continue. Before they came together, she was found to be with child is obviously the part that I'm trying to highlight here. You're like, what? Say what? How is that even possible? The very first time in hu human history, a virgin birth, this wasn't the normal process. I remember the awkward conversation my dad had with me in junior high. He took us, I'll never forget it. He actually took me to the Wright Brothers National Air Museum in Dayton, Ohio, and had the birds and bees talk with me. And I'll never forget, it was pretty traumatic and somewhat damaging, just kidding. Uh, but in that explanation of how it all worked, I don't remember ever there being a mention of someone getting pregnant without partaking in sexual intercourse. And this explanation here is unbelievable. It says, before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. So this was God's miraculous intervention, producing offspring without a human father. No man involved, no angel involved. Instead, Christ, who is God from all eternity, attached himself to this teenage girl. Every normal human birth prior to this produces a sinner. If you think about it, just as Adam sinned, he then created a generation or generations or races of sinners. Our Savior, in order to be genuinely human and truly sinless had to, be, had to be a perfect substitute. That's the only way that he could be a perfect substitute is to, if he wasn't genetically born a sinner. So this is a part, it's a huge part, whether we realize it or not, without the virgin birth, there would be no salvation for sinners because Jesus Christ would be a sinful human just like the rest. It's an essential part of our rescue plan. Would have been a pretty traumatic happening for these teenage kids. Can you imagine how that would have been absorbed? Why do I say that? First off, I point out, and you've probably heard this in other Christmas explanations, that kids and that generation, that season of, uh, or that time period, were, were getting married at ages of 13 and 14. Typical age of a girl getting married was 12 to 13, and the, uh, and the, uh, the boy would only just be a few years older, having a 
13-year-old daughter myself, you see what a traumatic news this would have been to, for them to absorb. Let's take a look to see how Joseph responds in verse 19. It says, because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. You put yourself in Joseph's shoes just for a moment, and how would you handle this news? Imagine your fiance is pregnant, and she tells you, no, you got to understand, this is from God. How quick would you be to respond or absorb that and be okay with it? I imagine he felt the full gamut of emotions, confusion, anger, fear. Imagine even a degree of sadness and hurt. And here's the typical, this is how it typically works, is when someone's hurt, they usually respond by trying to either hurt someone verbally or physically. Unfortunately, in the flesh, that's how we tend to operate. But that's not what we see with Joseph, who is obviously being led and guided by the Holy Spirit. He shows that and demonstrates what's described in Galatians 5.22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. What is that saying? The fruit of the Spirit are these things. In other words, the outcome of the Holy Spirit's work in your life is those are characteristics of someone led by the Spirit. And really most of those you could say would define how Joseph was responding, demonstrating love demonstrating peace, demonstrating kindness, demonstrating goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and I imagine probably one of the biggest ones, self-control. Because he didn't respond in emotion, with emotion, to emotion. Instead, he made the choice, what are we told there in the text, that he had in mind to divorce her quietly. Now, when you hear the word engaged and you hear the word divorced, it doesn't necessarily make sense in our mind. But in that day and time, they had what was called betrothal period, where that was a a commitment. That That was not something that was just like, oh, we broke off our engagement. It was something that could only be broken through a legal action of divorce. And so in his that law and culture, that's what he was wanting to move towards. But I like that he, it says he had in his mind to divorce her quietly because he could make a choice to make a huge deal about this. In Deuteronomy chapter 22, verse 23 and 24, you realize he could have even demanded her death, but instead he decided to divorce her quietly. Oh, that we would process emotion like Joseph did, giving ourselves permission to feel but on the other side of the feeling, choosing the route of grace. How many marriages would be restored if we extended the same type of grace? When the Holy Spirit is leading, grace tends to win in our lives. Continue in the account, verse 20. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, Do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Pretty cool here if you think about it. It's really, I think, a demonstration of our God's kindness. 
Because if you think about it, he's, he's helping bring clarity to confusion for Joseph. Really, what's being asked of this teenage, most likely teenage boy was really too much to, for really anyone to handle, too much pressure, too much weight. And so God lets him to some degree off the hook by giving him an inside look as to what's happening, happening, confirming that Mary's story is true, that, that, that it wasn't from another man, that it was a gift from God. So the angel specifically spells out the details. And you think about that, that would still be a, a challenge that just because he heard this information doesn't mean that Joseph had an easy road ahead. I imagine this wouldn't have aligned at all with his plans for his life. That's not at all what a, a young married or engaged couple's dreaming of or thinking of. This was definitely not part of the plan. Some of us going into this Christmas season can relate with Joseph. Where you look across the landscape of our life when we realize, man, there's so many things that aren't necessarily part of my plan. That wasn't how I thought it should have gone. That's not the way I, where I think I should be in life. That's not what I thought that relationship was going to look like. But here's what we can learn from Joseph is it's good to submit to God's plan to let go, to release all of our, the, the things that we thought and say, uh, and say all right, God, it, it, I'm turning it over to you. Here's the irony of it. A lot of people don't realize that the idea of control is really just a delusion. Anytime we have this thought that we're reigning or ruling over our life, it's kind of comical. It's a, not coming to the conclusion that accurately seeing things that he's the one driving the ship. He's the one in control. There's a certain freedom that Joseph is about to experience in letting go. There's an invitation for each of us, even in this season of life. All right, God, I'm turning this over to you. I can't control these outcomes. I'll leave it in your hands. It might sound daunting and intimidating, but there's actually a ton of freedom in that letting go process. Look at verse 22. We start to realize what, how this was all part of the bigger picture and connects us back to the book of Isaiah. Verse 22. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. I mentioned it last week, and I don't know if some of you have had a chance to see the, the Chosen Christmas special already. It's been in theaters for the last week, and now you have the opportunity to check it out online. I definitely recommend uh, getting a chance to do that. But one of the things that it highlighted was what an adventure it would have been for the disciples to collect all the details about Jesus' birth. You imagine Mary obviously would have been a great resource for that. But when you think about what's happening here, you almost can see Matthew, our author, with a little bit of an aha moment on display. All this took place to fulfill. It's him connecting the dots, if you will. All of these details were taking place to fulfill what Isaiah had prophesied. They were just playing their part in a bigger story that God had been writing for now generations for them to realize that they're not the main character. The main character is just about to arrive on the scene. 
That's an important thing for each one of us to come to the conclusion of, is that you're not the main character. In fact, if you're near somebody that else that's listening to this, you can maybe remind them of that truth. You're not the main character of the story. It's so funny how many messages in our world try to tell you that the world revolves around you and you're the center of it and that all things should be focused on you uh, amidst the fact that we're living around on a planet with 7.9 billion people. The craziness of that delusion that so often we have. I love that Mary and Joseph were just really willing players in the part that God was doing. He was sending a rescue. You see it there. Emmanuel, God with us, was coming on a rescue mission for us. And they were just there playing their part. I think we can learn from that ourselves. All right, God, what, what part do you have me to play in your bigger story? Where are you at work and how can I join you at that? That's what gives our life purpose, meaning, an adventure. So how do I respond to the idea, the reality that I'm not the main character? I was thinking back to a, a number of years back where I was attending my daughter Alexa's Christmas school program over at Hillcrest Christian School. They had a kind of a unique setup where they had five or six uh, kids with kind of speaking parts. And then really the rest of the kids were all filling in as different people in one big choir as a background. I asked her after the performance, I, I was like, hey, hon, do you, do you wish that you would have had a, a bigger part in the presentation? And I loved her response. I still remember it to this day. She said, no, I'm content just being in the choir. I'm content just being in the choir. And I, I think there's something to that for us to realize who the main character is and we get to be a part of celebrating him, pointing towards him with our lives. So, Joseph, we're about to see, plays his part perfectly. Verse 24, when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. Think about that for a, a moment, just looking at his response. The key words that I want to point out, it says, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him. Now, I think through that and how much drama of life can be avoided if we just do what we're directed to do by the Lord. So many times that's not a confusing thing. We know exactly our, our spirit nudges us and directs us. The Holy Spirit prompts us in the direction we know we're supposed to go, but it's just so often an issue as to whether or not we're going to obey. How many things we could avoid, whether it's the, the drama at work, if we just chose to stay and do the right thing, stay above reproach whether it's a, a broken relationship within your, your family, conflict, just honor God with your actions, choosing to, uh, to be concerned about your response, not about theirs. Difficulties in marriages, man, choosing the, the road of grace. That's such a, a, a plan of rescue for each one of us. Just doing the things that we know we're supposed to instead of trying to manipulate and manage results. Just focusing on obedience the freedom comes when you finally say, all right, God, you're the one directing. I'm just here as an obedient 
kid. And let's be honest, his obedience was not easy in these circumstances. It's a quick summary there when it just says, and he took Mary home as his wife. That would have been a huge deal to take Mary home as his wife. See, the betrothal process is about a year of engagement that ends at the end of that year with a huge celebration and party amongst friends and and family members, kind of like we do with a wedding ceremony and celebration still today. But what would that be like going home with your pregnant wife and expecting some kind of a celebration? I was reading a little bit about this and archaeological digs reveal that Nazareth, the town in which they are living in, was only a town of about 150 people. Think about that for a second. That's less than we have sitting in in a worship service on a Sunday morning, 150 people. How quickly the idea of that her being pregnant prior to marriage would have worked its way through that group of people. What would, that, what would that invitation be like of, hey, come to the, the marriage ceremony? I imagine it was a very small group. Many would have ignored that invitation. Imagine how awkward the conversations with parents, with siblings, with friends would have been as they explain God's direction in their life, having to walk this faith and trust journey. And it didn't just stop with, as we know in the story, it didn't just stop with the, with the marriage ceremony. It was also that 80-mile march to Bethlehem for a census where Jesus, to fulfill prophecy, would ultimately be born. I can't imagine one mile on a donkey, let alone 80 miles at nine months pregnant. Every step was part, though, of their faith journey. Mary and Joseph eventually got to look back and see the purpose in all this. We don't know how long or how old Joseph was before he passed. Some suggest that he died at a young age, maybe from the stress of all of this. We don't know for sure. But either way, as we look back on their story, what a beautiful picture of obedience, realizing that submitting is better than resisting. And now God's amazing plan that we're, is on full display 2,000 years later. We're still talking about it. We're still celebrating it because God's plan is always best, even we don't, when we don't see it in the moment. So my question, just as we wrap up in a little bit more of a brief time in God's word this week, my question for you is what do you need to turn over to him this Christmas? What do you need to submit on? What do you need to say, all right, God, I'm, I'm turning this over, the, the stress of work, the stress of this relationship. Maybe it's a bigger picture thing. Maybe it's a lordship thing. Maybe you've been trying to walk the line of you taking control sometimes and then turning over the reins sometimes. What if this was the Christmas that you said, all right, God, I'm fully in. I'm submitting to you. I'm letting you drive and I'm not taking the wheel back. What could God do with that? I'll tell you what, that title, Spectacular Christmas, could be exactly the definition of your Christmas 2021. Another group of people here maybe watching this video, maybe you're not even sure how you landed on this, this video. You've never actually bent a knee and submitted to Jesus Christ as your rescuer, 
as the one that's come to, to bring you out of darkness into light. My hope and my prayer is that would be a consideration for you even in these moments that you could call out to him, acknowledging your fallen state and clinging to him for your rescue. He's waiting there. It would be so excited to see that response. Let me pray as we wrap up. Lord Jesus, we thank you for this book of Isaiah and so many things pointing towards your coming rescue. Now, it's so fun to be able to look back at it in hindsight, be able to see everything was fulfilled exactly as you had said. We pray that that would, as I prayed at the beginning, would put down deep roots of our faith. Pray that going into this season that we'd learn some things, even from these different characters in the, in the uh, Christmas account, their faithfulness, their trust in you, that all of that, that you have a plan that's better. I pray that those things would take deep root in our lives as well. Thank you for your grace. We love you and praise you in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Hear the angels sing, there's hope for everyone to announce our King. There's hope for everyone, what good news they bring. There's hope for everyone, angels sing, there's hope for everyone. They came from afar, there's Wise men saw a star, there's hope for everyone. Shepherds heard the choir, there's hope for everyone. From afar, there's hope for everyone. We are waiting on the promise for the one who likes the darkness. Glory in the highest, Jesus, come let us adore, there's hope for everyone, on the manger floor, there's hope for everyone, what are you waiting for, there's hope for everyone, come adore, there's hope for
All right, church. Well, again, thanks for being with us online. Hopefully this is a blessing to you. As I always say, any way that we can serve you in the week ahead, always feel free to reach out. It'd be an honor to be able to do that. God bless you. Merry Christmas.